You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Well, I believe that our country today is suffering from many problems, but I believe that the main problem at the root of all of our problems is this issue of character. Yes, there are racism issues in our country. Yes, there's sexual immorality issues in our country. Yes, we are seeing the politicization of everything in our lives today. There are many, many issues, and and many of them are vast and complex. But I still think that when you boil it all down, when you get to the root of the issues that we see in our nation today, we see the issue of character. It's been said that in the end, a person's character is all that really matters. I agree with that, but I would also add to that that receiving the good news about Jesus Christ, making a person's relationship with Jesus Christ the central focus, that is the primary matter. A person's character is secondary to that, or second only to that. Because the Bible teaches us that what we do flows naturally out of what we believe. It is what we believe that shapes the actions that you and I take. So let's start by reading in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. The Bible tells us, So then, beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." Notice there in that last verse that God calls all men and women who are following Christ to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, Christianity is not about what you profess with your mouth. It's about what you do with your life. Is your life following a continual direction? Is your life pursuing one thing? Or is your life pursuing something other than what the Bible lays out that is worthy to be pursued? And that is the relationship that we have with the God who created us. Relationship given to us and made possible through Jesus Christ. You see, God desires that all would, or God desires to form a godly character in all men and women who are called to follow Jesus Christ. That's his heart. That's his desire. He doesn't want us to be hearers only, deceiving ourselves. He wants us to be those that are doing as well. Now flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read starting in verse 3 down through verse 11 with you this morning. The Bible says, As his divine power, God's divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Let me pause right there for one second to help you to realize that that verse is telling us a life of godliness is possible. A a godly character, 
A life that is marked by character is possible because God has given you His divine power. He's given you everything necessary to be able to live that life. But it gets better. He's also given us precious promises. Verse 4 says, By which we have been given, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. So those are the virtues that are laid out by the Bible that we are to pursue. Verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Verse 11, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you want to be saved by the skin of your teeth? Don't raise your hand, please. It's not the moment. How many of you want to have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven supplied to you? Well, that would be me. I definitely want that abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven. I do not want to be saved by the skin of my teeth, as it were, (laughs) by an afterthought, as it were. I want to be entering to the kingdom of heaven, the everlasting kingdom, the endless blaze of glory, as we have called it here, with an abundant entrance. The Bible teaches we need to be diligent in this time that we have been given The psalmist prayed, Lord, teach us to number our days. He knew the brevity of life. I've taught the brevity of life. The scriptures teach the brevity of life. We need to be diligent with the time that we have been given to pursue what? Godly character. These virtues. It is not important. Please hear me if you hear nothing else this morning. Please hear this. It is not important how many times you fail. For fail, we must. What is important is what you do after you fail. That is what matters most. So let's talk about character this morning. We're going to look at and hopefully answer four questions on your handout today. First of all, what is character? Secondly, how is it formed in us? Thirdly, where does it come from or what is the source of that character? And fourthly, why does it matter so much? Why are we spending time talking about it? So let's start with the first question. What is it? Character is the basis of how you make decisions. Character is the basis of how you make decisions in your life. Listen, it has been said that you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow that action and you reap a habit. You sow that habit and you reap a character. You sow your character and you reap a destiny. So this is why character is so important. It all starts with your decision. It starts with my decision. 
everything that we do in life is the direct result of a decision that you make. And decisions come from your character. And for this reason, having a godly character is of supreme importance in our lives, church. Character is not only doing what is right, it is having the right motive behind that. If you want to, you can flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 22 to you, so you don't have to turn there. But if you'd like to, 1 Samuel 15, 22, you could jot it down and look it up later as well. It says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. What is it saying there? What does it mean in this passage? Well, Samuel is saying there's no formal ceremony that can replace having a right heart towards God. If you're harboring rebellion in your heart like Saul was, you're harboring a rebellious attitude towards the Lord, listen, it's empty to try and go through the motions of worship. It's empty to come to a church service and, and, and mouth the words that you don't mean in your heart. It's, it's empty to go through the motions of reading your Bible and, and even you know, trying to have a devotional life to God if your heart is far from Him. It's not enough to just strive to do what is right. We also need to cultivate a heart that is motivated by love for God and his submission to him. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? He said that even if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, he said that even if you deliver your body to be burned to give all your goods to the poor, he said that all of these things, they don't matter for anything. It's all emptiness if you don't have love. He's referring, of course, to first love for God. That's the first and greatest commandment. But then, on top of that, a love for your neighbor, which is always the manifestation of a person who loves God. You see, God is more concerned about your holiness than he is concerned about your happiness. Let me say that again. Our love for the Lord, it's got to come from a heart that desires to love the Lord with all of our heart because he's more concerned about holiness than he is happiness. Happiness is always a byproduct of holiness. Happiness is always a byproduct of a life that is submitted to and walking in obedience to the king. See, character is not equal to competence this morning. This is a a, a good one. Let me explain what I mean. You see, competence is being proficient in what you do. There are many men and women that are competent today. But competence can only help you to a certain extent in life. It is character that will bring you true success in the life that God has for you, in His purpose and His mission for your life. If we are men and women of character, God can truly bless us. But if you're just a competent person, it will only get you so far. Because without character, you won't know what to do with the success that it brings. And you'll eventually fail in your mission and purpose that God has for your life. So character is not the same thing. It's not equal to competence. It's actually more important than being a competent person. As a pastor, I would much rather have a, 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 a person of character working with me and alongside of me in God's kingdom than I would having someone that was just competent at what they do. D, character is not 
tolerating evil in our hearts. Character is not tolerating evil in our hearts. And let, let me read to you Proverbs 8 and verse 13. You can look it up if you'd like. But it says this. It says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth, I hate, God says. So instead of justifying wrong behavior, we need to learn that character is actually hating the evil whenever and wherever it is found in our own lives, in our hearts. Remember, Jesus taught us that evil doesn't come from outside of us. Evil is in us. It's out of our own hearts that comes all of these sins that we struggle with in our lives. And so evil and and tolerating evil, it, it often happens when we justify wrong behavior. And we're so good at doing that. I'm so good at doing that. I, I'm, I'm the chief sin justifier, okay? I, I can do a great job of, you know, making it look like, oh, it wasn't all my fault, or I've got great excuses for my sin. But listen, if we're going to have character, we have to learn to take responsibility for our decisions. Instead of making excuses for our wrong actions, we have to learn to take responsibility for ourselves. We have to realize that in the end, We are responsible for our own choices. Yes, it's tied into how we were brought up. Yes, it's tied into our personality and all of those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, when I stand before God, and would you stand before God, you can't bring those things up and lay them down before the Lord. He knows all of that. And he also knows that you're responsible for your choices that you're making today and that you'll make from this day forward. You're responsible. And when those choices lead to sinful actions, listen, we need to take responsibility for them. And we need to be people that confess our sin to God and repent from it rather than justify it and make excuses for it. That's what it means to not tolerate evil. It simply means that instead of justifying and hiding my sin and and, and making excuses, I'm going to become a person that confesses it anywhere and everywhere it's found. Live a transparent life before the Lord. E, character is also reflecting the love of God. And I love this definition. It really simplifies it, makes it something easy to understand. Character is simply reflecting God's love. So then bad character is reflecting the opposite of the love of God. It's it's a love for self. A person with bad character is just somebody that really goes around promoting themselves, loving themselves first, putting themselves before everyone else, even God. And, and so that is the opposite of what good character is, but the opposite, what good character or have, having a godly character being formed in life means that you're on a continual journey. It's a continual journey in which you're being transformed more and more into godliness, more and more into the virtues that we read about there in Second Peter chapter 1. Those are the virtues that we are called to be pursuing, committed to pursue those things. So anybody that's growing in character then will see a growth in their reflecting of God's love to others. We'll see them saying, you know, I'm not going to esteem myself better than you. I'm actually going to put you in that category of being better than me. All right. We come to that second question. Character, how is it formed? So character is going to be formed in us when our beliefs become our convictions, okay? When we move from just belief, believing something, to actually having a conviction about it. That means standing on it and practicing it, okay? So when what we know is true, 
becomes what we actually believe, it still needs to be taken that one step further, church. You see, godly character is formed when those beliefs that we know to be true are formed by God's word and they become convictions in our lives. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that, what, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So listen, the Bible exhorts us not to be conformed to the image of the world, but rather to be transformed into the image of God. Renewed by, in our minds so that we can live or we can know and prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. So convictions that we form throughout our lives, they can, neither, they can be good or bad. It just depends on the source. That's why it's so important that we base our, our convictions as Christians on what God's Word says, not what the world says. You see, there are many people in life that form their convictions on many things, but we as Christians, we've been given God's Word. And this this word, this word, this revelation is to be how we see the world. We have our worldview given to us in the scriptures. And so church, this worldview, it's based on God's word and, and not what the world says. And then we need to learn to submit to the heavenly father, to his word, to realize God, your way is the best. You as a perfect, loving heavenly father have laid out for me what is going to be the best way for me to live and learning to submit to that taking the truths of the word believing them and then forming convictions for how to live from scripture a belief is something that we know to be true but we don't always act on it isn't it so that's that's b there in your outline a belief is something we know to be true but we don't always act on what we know to be true you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 that our consciences either accuse us or they excuse us based on our actions, on what we do, okay? And this is true in life. You have a conscience. God has given you that conscience. And that conscience is also uh, aware of God's moral laws, and those moral laws are written in our hearts, the Bible says. And so when we do things, hey, our conscience is there, and it's either accusing or excusing us. Let me give you an example. A while back, my family and I, we had uh, been walking around all day long, and it was dinner time, and we were very hungry. We had that gnawing hunger in your stomach. You know the kind where your stomach gurgles, and you get, you know, hungry breath? Nobody likes to smell it, you know, because it stinks. But it's that hungry breath. And we were just hungry. So we walked up to a, a pizza place, and we were looking at the menu, and immediately what leapt out to me was the words, the giant pizza. And I thought to myself, yes, that's what we need. We need a giant pizza. In fact, we need two giant pizzas. And so I said to the, the gal that was taking her, I said, we'll have two giant pizzas. And she said, sir, let me just warn you first, the, the giant pizza, it's as big as the table over there that you're sitting at. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. We're so hungry. We're going to have two of those. We'll eat them. Trust me. So she's like, okay, you know, took the order and put it in and everything. I kid you not. When she brought the pizzas out, we all had to move back 
because the pizzas were as big as the table was. It was huge. And so as we sat there, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if we, I don't know if we can tackle this, you know, but we gave it our best shot. But me and my pride, as I'm sitting there eating, you know, I was already full. My conscience started to accuse me. Phil, you're full. You don't need any more pizza. But then I remembered what I told the waitress, you know. I said, well, we're going to eat these. So I was like, kids, you're going to help me. We're eating this pizza, you know. And so we start to force feed ourselves, you know. And my conscience is just accusing me of being a glutton. And guess what? It was true. I was a glutton that day. And I paid for it later. But we, and we still didn't finish the pizza either. But we tried. We gave it our best shot. But that's how it is. Our conscience accuses us or it excuses us. Now, if I would have stopped shoving my mouth full of pizza at a certain point, my conscience would have been like, good job. Way to show some restraint, Phil. But instead, I kept going. And so it accused me instead of being a glutton. You know, the Apostle Paul also tells us of a time when the Apostle Peter knew something was true. He had a belief. He knew it was true. He knew it was right. But he didn't act on it. Instead, he took the low road. And that story is in Galatians chapter 2, if you want to turn there. Galatians chapter 2, and starting in verse 11, I'll just read a couple of verses to you. It says in Galatians 2 verse 11, that when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Paul is talking here. I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For certain men came from James. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. What? Hypocrisy? The apostle Peter? He was a hypocrite? He struggled with those things? Yes, he did, just like you and me. Peter, the man who had the sheet lowered from heaven with all those animals in it. Kill and eat, Peter. He's like, no, I can't. I've never touched those things before. They're unclean. And God said to him, don't call unclean what I've given to you to eat. And you're supposed to enjoy this. And so Peter had already worked all this out. He knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ gave him freedom in Christ to be able to enjoy that pork barbecue sandwich. Man, those are good, aren't they? Is it almost lunchtime? Oh, sorry, guys. But Peter knew that it was okay, and yet his con- he, he, went, he took the low road. He, he overrode his conscience, and he did the wrong thing. But listen, a conviction is what happens, is what you develop when you don't allow your beliefs to be compromised. Okay? And so the more that you do that, the more that you stand on your convictions, and you don't compromise what you know to be true, the stronger you become. The stronger your character becomes. Now, the less that you do that, that's what's called a character gap. If you're a person, you say, yeah, I know this is true. I know I can eat pork barbecue sandwiches. But you go, no, I'm going to go sit with the people, you know, the, the kosher Jews instead, like Peter did. And, and if he was to keep doing that, well, then that would be a gap in his character. And that's what we call a character gap. But listen, a, a, a strong character is a person who stands on their convictions. They, they have beliefs. They're formed in God's word, they form those convictions and they stand on them, but don't allow their beliefs to be compromised. That is a strong character. And that's what we're to be striving for. That's what you and I as Christians are called to pursue. We're going in that direction, in other words. So when we live by convictions, that means we're not allowing belief to be compromised. Here's an example of that. 
when I lived in Costa Rica for nine, almost ten years while we planted a church, I liked to serve. Notice I used the past tense, right? I don't get to do that anymore. But we would go to this beach a lot. That was a big part of our lives there. Some of you guys are like, hmm, isn't it funny how God sent you to Costa Rica? Do you like to surf? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the way God works, isn't it? God is a loving God. He loves us. He loves to bless his kids. I'm not ashamed of that. I love the fact that God did that for me. He's so good. I also love the fact that he brought me here to Paris, Texas. I love being here with you guys as well. But I knew that every time that I went to the beach there in Costa Rica, that I was going to face many temptations to lust in my heart. Because the Bible clearly teaches us that lust is a sin that takes place in the heart. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. Yeah, we've all heard that. Verse 28, But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ouch. You see, that is the truth. And the truth is, is that many can commit adultery in their hearts because they think, well, I'm not actually going all the way. I'm not actually doing this. But listen, when I went to the beaches in Costa Rica, my belief was formed on the truth of God's word. And it became my conviction to train my eyes to look away from the temptations that presented themselves there at the beach. And then I had to learn that, hey, the battleground is going to be in my mind. And so before it can even be combined to my will and that fantasy or whatever it is that you want to call it, when it unites itself, that sin unites itself with our will, that's where the battle is. It's in the mind. And so before that point, I have to learn to take my thoughts captive to the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And that is where the battle is for all Christians. It begins in our minds. This is where the spiritual warfare is going to be the strongest. Why? Because Satan wants Christians everywhere to fall. He wants us to fall into sin. And then he wants us to justify our sin. And he wants us to make it into a little pet that we keep with us. And allow to deceive us in even greater ways and greater things. After we fall, Satan often comes along and condemns us and kicks us when we're down. That's because that's who he is. But you know what? I'm so thankful for Proverbs 24, 16. It says, for when the righteous falls seven times, he rises again. Amen. Praise God for the love and the power of Jesus Christ. Thank God for his forgiveness, for his blood that cleanses us from unrighteousness when we confess our sins. He's so just and faithful to forgive us. Godly character, though, is when I'm sorry, is what happens when biblical convictions become our nature. D. Godly character is what happens when biblical convictions become our nature. What is our nature? What do I mean by that? Our nature is what you do without thinking about it in the moment of temptation. You see, a man or a woman whose nature is submitted to God, they're going to react to that temptation according to their convictions, which have been formed by the Word of God. And so that's why it's so important to have those in place so we can look away when we need to. We can train our minds to take thoughts captive and surrender them to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ in the moment of temptation. 
So, third question, where does character come from then? Well, its source is God. Character is always formed in us by God. He is the moral lawgiver. He is the one who gave you your conscience. He's also the one who imprinted his law in your hearts, in our hearts. And so as we surrender our lives to Jesus, as we walk with him, God will always move us towards the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He transforms us into the image of his son. But first, we need to renew our minds. And that comes from, well, Romans 12 too, obviously, but also Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to flip to Ephesians chapter 4, I know that I'm covering a lot of verses. If you don't want to turn to them, that's fine. I will read them to you. But Ephesians 4, you can jot it down and read it later. Verse 21 through 24 says this, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So how are our minds renewed, church? It's through reading and prayer and meditation and memorization in the word of God. It's God's holy word that renews your mind. You see, our minds, we go through the world, they become corrupted, they become contaminated with worldly thoughts and worldly ideas. The world rubs off on us. The world is seeking to conform us to its image. The only way to combat that is to be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind through the reading and prayer and meditation and memorization of Scripture. In other words, through a relationship with Jesus that is based on His Word. Okay, Not a relationship with Jesus that's based on who you think He is and who you want Him to be, but on a relationship based on God's Word. You see, so many times Christians spend most of their day being conformed by the world and too little of their day being transformed by the renewing of their minds. Think about it. You would think that we would get this. You would think that we would understand that this is a problem, but we don't. I I talk to Christians all the time. They spend five minutes in the Word of God, five to ten minutes a day, and yet an hour to an hour and a half watching a movie or a favorite program on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or whatever it is that you watch. And yeah, we'll sit down and spend time allowing the world to conform us to its image, but we neglect the transforming of our lives through the renewing of our mind in God's words. Guys, no wonder that the church is so weak. No wonder that Christians are so weak today because we're all struggling with things. Because we have not taken the time to fashion and form the right beliefs on convictions of God's word and then not compromise those beliefs because we're renewing our minds in the word of God on a daily basis. Oh, church, that we would awake, that we would realize that this is where our weakness lies, is in this area of character that we need to be pursuing and building and training in Christ. Now, Secondly, God is going to test our character. First, we renew our minds, but then God is going to send tests. Yeah, this is the part that's not very popular today, but this is part of the message. You see, God has to test you to see how strong you really are. Not so that he can know, God knows where we're at, but it's for you. He does it for us. But listen, guys, this is the, you know, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Let me read this to you. 
The word says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, guys, it's through many trials, tribulations, and temptations that we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those trials, temptations, and tribulations are actually meant to make you strong and to form a godly character in you, the depth of which the world will never, fa- never fathom and never, never understand. Guys, I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how important this is, but the world today thinks that all suffering is bad. That's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not how our God sees it. Our God sees suffering as something that is necessary for all of us to test our character. Now, God knows how much and when and where and how all of those things. He takes care of that in his sovereignty. But we have to recognize and to realize that those things can be used for good in our lives if we allow them to. Now, I also have on here a little note. Character doesn't always yield pleasant results. Hey, you need to know that. Look at the life of Joseph. Okay, Joseph... He resisted Potiphar's wife and fled from her presence. It got him landed in prison. If you take a stand for character, if you stand up for what's right in your school, in your workplace, in your family, you're going to suffer as well. So be ready for that. It doesn't always yield pleasant results. Now, often it does, but, but uh, there are many other times when it does not. And then, but secondly, also, character always pays off in the end. In Psalm 73, David was reflecting on the world around him and some of their practices. And he looks at the world and he says, why do they get to have you know, all the success? They have all the success now, their riches, their glory, all of these things. They're doing all this evil stuff and yet it seems to be paying off well for them. But listen, then he thinks about the end of their lives. And he says, you know what? After I thought about the end of their lives, I suddenly had a realization that is better to serve the Lord now than to wait until the end. So guys, it always pays off in the end. Fourthly, character, why does it matter? Why does it matter? We're getting close to the end here. I'm going to run through these quickly. But first of all, your character is the most important thing in your life, according to Scripture. And that is 1 Peter chapter six or chapter 1. Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I'll read that to you. The verse is on the screen. Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guys, the Bible is clear about this. Hey, you might be going through a trial. You might be going through a temptation. You might be going through a struggle, a storm. But listen, it's for a short time only. But what God is doing through that is He's perfecting the genuineness of your faith, the sincerity of your belief, your trust, your strength and, and dependence on Him. And through that, he's actually refining the most important thing in your life. It's your faith. Your faith. Because your faith is much more precious than any material thing. 
Your faith is what's going to last for eternity. And God knows that, and he's working on that in your life and in mine. B, without character, the Lord knows you'll be blind to it in others. If you don't have character, guess what? You won't see character flaws in other people. And this is important, especially for those of you that are young, or if you're a single person here today that desires to be married at some point in your life, please listen to this. If you are not pursuing character now, if you are not focusing on your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and becoming the man or the woman that God wants you to be, guess what? The chances are you're going to be blind to the character flaws in the people that you have relationships with and possibly could end up marrying somebody that has some serious character flaws in their life. And so, guys, this is so important in that aspect as well, that you would be pursuing godly character in your lives and not uh, uh, just thinking that it's not important now. It is so important now, no matter what age you are, to continue in this pursuit of godliness. See, without godly character, you'll be blind to your true condition, your own true condition. If you'll turn back to Second Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 8 and 9 with me. It says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So without character, guys, hey, it's just going to produce a short-sightedness, a blindness in you. As you justify sin, as you make excuses for your sinful behavior, and you don't take responsibility for it, hey, it's just going to perpetuate. And you're going to even forget that you've been cleansed from your sins. And so there's no shame in coming and confessing that sin the moment that you, you see it. Oh man, Lord, I confess that sin to you. Lord, I, I repent. I turn away from that. I'm turning to you. D, without character, you cannot become spiritually mature. You cannot become spiritually mature. And listen, that's what God is calling you to. God is calling every single one of us here, no matter what your age is, to be transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That happens while you pursue godly character in your life. Spiritual maturity is never going to come to those who do not value character, to those who do not value the virtues that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the conclusion of this matter then? What's the conclusion of this message? Well, although we'll never be perfect, we should strive for godly character. That should be the direction that we're heading in. The source of character, well, that's found simply in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. And so it is in Him that you will find true Uh, uh, peace, true purity, true character. In closing today, I'd like to read to you from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. You're already there. Just follow along with me in your Bibles. Peter says, Therefore, brethren, in light of all this that we've looked at on character and virtue and how we're supposed to be pursuing that, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, I pray that today you and I would be those that say, you know what, I don't want to get in by the skin of my teeth. (laughs) I don't want to be one of these people that's playing around with Christianity. I play the Jesus card when I feel like I need to. And then I treat him however I want the rest of the week or the rest of my life. But we should be those that realize, hey, if we want an abundant entrance supplied to us, They're into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that matters. That's our pursuit of Jesus Christ in our lives. Our pursuit of the one who gives us life, who gives us life abundantly, who gives us grace and mercy and forgiveness of sin and cleansing from sin and all of these amazing things that are found in a relationship with him. If you do that, you'll be traveling the road less traveled. The Bible says that broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those that are on that path. But listen, the the way that leads to salvation, the way that leads to uh, eternal life is a narrow path. It's a road less traveled. And so, guys, I'm asking you today as a church to make a commitment in your hearts and in your minds to say, you know what, I'm going to be committed to the one thing that matters the most in this life, and that is pursuing my relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Maybe today is the day that you need to begin that relationship. You need to recognize and realize that all true virtue comes from the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, and that through your relationship with him, you can be made new, and you can be renewed and forgiven and cleansed. But maybe you do know Jesus Christ here today. You've been walking with him for some time. But you've gotten into bad habits. Or you've begun to develop character gaps. Things that you know are true. Guys, so many Christians live in this place. I've been there myself. I know what it's like to know things that are true. And yet to be living a secret life that's a hypocritical life. It's not based on the convictions and beliefs of God's word. So maybe today you need to do some self-examination and some repentance and confession is necessary. But whatever you do, my prayer as your pastor is that you guys would all make that commitment to following Jesus Christ, to making that your life's passion, the supreme goal of your life. Hey, everything else, God's just going to enhance that. The second that you make the decision, all right, Jesus, I'm coming after you. Guess what? God is just waiting to come alongside of you, to come alongside of your life and to say, you know what? I'm going to help you through this trial. I'm going to get you to the other side of this storm. I'm going to help you to overcome that temptation that's chaining you down right now. I'm I'm, I'm here for you. But listen, you've got to make that commitment. Only you can do it. I can't do it for you. Your mom and dad can't make that commitment for you. It's you and yourself alone that makes that commitment. Let's pray.